Shana Tova, and welcome home. It is always an honor and a joy to be back in this moment with all of you as we embark on this new year together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, my beloved community. When preparing for the High Holy Days, I always try to strike a balance between actively searching for the right sermon topic and creating the space for it to come to me. This year, as I was driving towards a family vacation, I received a sign. Or more accurately, I saw a sign, and it was on the lawn of a church, so I would argue that it was, in fact, divinely inspired. Here, I think, is a photo of the sign. Enough. How intriguing. Enough of what? Enough for whom? Nobody else saw it on the drive, and surprisingly, nobody wanted to spend their vacation hours in deep existential contemplation with me. How rude. So instead, I had to sit with it for two months, allowing it to prod me and challenge me as I left emails and voicemails for the church seeking clarity. At some point, I stopped worrying about what it meant for the church, and I started thinking about what it meant for me. Enough. Just when you thought you were done with sermons about punctuation. But let's take the grammar out of the equation for a moment and let me ask you, when you think of the word enough, what comes to mind? Some personal framing. My first encounter with this sign was on July 18th. The shootings in Buffalo took place on May 14th. Uvalde was on May 24th. The Supreme Court rulings on Roe v. Wade, gun reform, environmental protections, and the separation of church and state came in the last two weeks of June and several right before Shabbat. And when I called to ask the church about the sign, I learned that it was indeed a response to gun violence of the summer, asking, when is it going to be enough? My reading went in a little bit of a different direction, not a question but an exclamation. Enough! A desperate and powerless plea for cessation, not truly directed to any one person or entity, but a shout to anyone who would listen, perhaps a prayer to the divine. Please, I beg of you, enough! I can't take any more of this. We can't take any more of this. Whether the source of pain is societal or personal, enough, make it end but also enough. Lines have been crossed and we cannot stand idly by. Justice must be pursued. We have had enough. Within Temple Israel, our hub of justice, Tikkun Central, we find ourselves in this conversation as we witness and experience the cries of oppression and we fight back against the many tyrannies that plague our world and take action when and where we can. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that justice work is a deeply spiritual practice for me and that I am always, always eager to talk about it. 
And I really hope that you will join us for 10 Days, 10 Ways in Sukkot and beyond as we celebrate and continue our many pursuits here for righteous impact. But there is another enough that I've been focused on, especially through Elul's climb towards Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It comes from a story of Moses, but it could really be any of us. We find Moses, who begins his journey thinking that he is not enough to lead his people, at the end of his desert travels, begging God for access into the promised land, not just with the narrow mindset that it is solely upon him to finish the job, but also seeking some reward for the dedicated effort he has put into this journey. On the plains of Moab, less than a day's travel from the Jordan River, Moses shares with the Israelites his plea to God after being denied entry into the land of Israel. Ve'etchanan, I sought the compassion of God. O Adonai, let me cross over and experience the good land on the other side of the Jordan. God, I have come so far. We have come so far together. Let me take this one step further. Please let your servant finish my journey and enter the good land which I have been dreaming of and working towards, which you have promised to me since the very first time we spoke in Egypt. And God replied, Ravlach, enough from you. Moses, unfulfilled and facing his own mortality, hears God's response as swift and furious, like an angry parent saying no to a temperamental child. Moses, in his retelling, feels the sting of God's temper. And we have all been in Moses' sandals, hearing no when yes would feel so much better or even justified, feeling the gates close on us. It is a hard pill to swallow. But I don't think that God's words are intended as dismissive, as a parent or a supervisor or anyone who at times needs to say no. Many of us recognize that the starting point of that anger is frustration. Frustration with the other party, unable to see that sometimes enough needs to be enough. In Moses' case, it's you have done enough. Rashi and the Midrash comment that God wants Moses to see all of his accomplishments. The nation born in the desert which he has guided to this moment through thick and thin, through revelation and devastation. And Moses to feel content and at peace. God tries to show Moses the way in the next action. God brings Moses to the top of a mountain and from there allows Moses to see Eretz Yisrael, not to touch it, not to dwell in it, but to see the good land, to see all the good that came before, the briefest vision of the future that Moses helped bring to fruition. And that, in fact, is God's compassion. It's just not in the form that Moses wanted to hear it. God's decree is ultimately still a no, but it is a monumental perspective shift. Being satisfied with enough is one of the most difficult things for us to wrap our heads around. It is in our nature to always want more. It always has been. Our sages knew it. Midrash Kohelet Rabbah, 
A person doesn't leave the world, attain even half of their desires. If they have 100 coins, they want 200. If they have 200 coins, they want 400. But it's not just about coins. We want more results, more experiences, more justice, more love, more time, and all of these are finite resources. In an uncertain world, it feels natural to grab hold of all that we can. I believe there is wisdom in trying to shift from wanting more to trying to make the most of what we have, and it does not come easy. Well, at least for me. And so, I have been working hard this year to better cultivate a personal practice of gratitude, and I still have so much room to grow, for which I am grateful. It has invited me to an extent to live in the moment more fully and to appreciate my surroundings and circumstances. One truly wonderful aid in this effort is Shabbat morning. This past year, I have been more receptive to the message of our morning liturgy. Yes, your clergy continues to work on how we pray. Shabbat morning is a glorious waterfall of thanks and praise for the intricacies of our infinite universe, sung to the Creator and to the people sharing in the moment. Being the day of rest, there are few, if any, requests directed towards God, just appreciation. It continues to be invigorating. Right now, the prayer that takes up space in my head and heart is Elohai Nishama. My God, the soul you have placed within me is pure. You formed it, you shaped it, you breathed it into me. What a magnificent message of daily rebirth and proximity to the Creator. The language comes from Talmud, but the Reform Movement has removed what I see as a critical line of text from Mishkan Tefillah, our weekly Shabbat prayer book. I am glad to see it return in our Rosh Hashanah Machzor. Here's the returning line. Someday, when this soul returns to you, I will find a place in eternity. Someday, when this soul returns to you, I will find a place in eternity. Whoa. In the midst of a rush of gratitude, the eagerness of a new day, a new year dawning, here is a stark reminder that it is all finite. And that is scary, because it's so real. On the wrong morning, it's enough to make you slam your prayer book shut. But we read the prayer every week, every day for some of us, precisely because it is scary and it is real. And when I do recite it regularly, on sunny days and rainy days, in sickness and in health, I feel the need to double down on the gratitude for the new day, because the prayer makes me acknowledge that tomorrow is not guaranteed, that every day and every moment is just that special and that sacred. But it is a short and I think dangerous jump from here to the idea that every day needs to be perfect. I think of a teaching from Maimonides, which is cited a lot during the High Holy Days. 
asking us to act as if our next action could tip the scales between the world's redemption and the world's destruction. I think that is too much pressure on each individual moment and sets us up for disappointment and dwelling on what could have been. We need to adjust our expectations that things will be perfect because let's be honest, we know they won't be. Which leads me to think about Maimonides' scales like this. If this moment can tip the scales between redemption and destruction, then so can the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment. We need patience to let things unfold at the end of the day, or the end of the week, or the end of a lifetime, then we can look and hold it all in review. Holding together the successes and failures, the joys and sorrows, that is what makes for a full life well lived. And it is really challenging for those of us who seek instant validation or gratification. Elohai Nishama and Maimonides' scales are both texts that can scare us on the surface, but comfort us and guide us if we can sit with them. And the reality is that our world is very much the same. It is scary. And there is a lot out there that is just unjust, uncertain, or just broken. But if nothing else, what is our purpose but to live a life towards repair, towards righting wrongs and spreading love and leaving this place a little bit better than we found it? Can each moment in that pursuit be enough? Our new year, 5783, will be a lot of things, but perfect isn't one of them. Nonetheless, the journey is unquestionably worth every single step. May you be blessed with the strength to say enough to injustice, the compassion to offer enough to a friend, and the peace to know that you are enough. This upcoming shofar service is known as Zichronot, memory. As the sounds of the shofar bring us into the new year, I would like to dedicate this set of calls to the year that just left us. I encourage you, if you'd like, to shut your eyes for a moment and breathe deep. And amidst the sounds of the shofar, allow the memories of the moments which occurred in 5782 to drift by you on the sound waves. Try not to assign value to them. We'll see what the future holds. For now, let them be enough.